0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the
1: show. Ivy Nation Sports Talk is up and rolling once again, along with Jesse Steyer's I'm Sean Styers. We uh, roll into a brand new week and it's it's ultimately going to be the final week of the college basketball season. You know, maybe the most improbable final four ever on the men's side. The women's final four is halfway set. Iowa and LSU advanced last night. Tonight you got South Carolina against Maryland, Virginia Tech against Ohio State for the last two spots in the final four. By the Irish women bowed out, unfortunately, to Maryland over the weekend. If you have any questions on them, you can throw them our way. We'll get to them in rapid fire later in the show. How are you today,
2: Jesse? You know, I'm good despite the cold temperatures and it being rainy outside yet again. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, just another standard, typical Monday. Got through the workday, and now it's just time to have some fun and relax a little bit. Are you getting all bundled up? You're going to the Cubs' uh, season
1: opener later this week, Thursday in Chicago. Are, are you? Are you going to take your blankets? Get yeah, like the pocket warmers. Like uh, it's yeah. So it, we've it, been
2: we've been following the temperatures, and it doesn't look like it's going to be very warm um, on Thursday. So I'm actually I've been looking on the team shop for a new jacket that I'm going to pick up when I'm in town. Oh, okay all right, very nice very nice use some of my birthday funds <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
1: Hey congrats to the Notre Dame fencing team did you see they won uh, another national championship 13 overall and three straight national
2: championships for Notre Dame fencing I did not see that but you know it, it is it is well known at this point that Notre Dame is known as a fencing school.
1: It is. We get reminded of that every now and then on this show. <laughs> Notre Dame is a fencing school. So good for them. I mean, it's, You know, you don't think of fencing, obviously, too much. Even when the Olympics roll around, nobody talks a whole lot about fencing. But they are just dominant with that program. The last couple of head coaches have just uh, been very, very good. So congrats to them on on winning a national championship. we got some Notre Dame baseball we'll get to later on in the show as well but uh in the meantime uh oh what is this nathan with a super chat thank you nathan milton uh ty ib oh thank you ib For i didn't get like the ty for the great work and making me feel like i'm back in indiana i'm a fort wayne warsaw kid and ib has the indiana feel no problem thanks thanks again for the super chat nate we do we do we do the best we can to uh to keep you right here, up, up close and personal. By the way, Tom Noy on the show tomorrow with Vince and I. This is usually a Vince day. Jesse and Vince traded spots because of all of his Chicago travel plans to go see the Cubs later this week. But uh, Vince will be here tomorrow. We'll talk a little basketball, as well as football, of course, with Tom Noy. But uh, we've got that coming up
2: on tomorrow's show. So, Jess, you want to talk some football? I do. And, you know, before we get into it, I have to make the disclaimer that this is the most important Cubs game of the season because it's the game where I'll probably be the most interested before it just steadily declines throughout the season.
1: Well, I think they're going to be better this year. They'll be better this
2: year. Um, I just don't think all of their cards are quite on the table yet. So I understand that, you know, you're rebuilding and all those things, but it just feels like a little bit more effort could be put forth, especially after last season. Yeah.
1: Uh, Tyler said they we didn't invite you for Tom. No, no, I'm too cool for shame. school. Yeah, that's right. He was here two weeks ago for Tom. And now, now um, Jesse's actually going to be – It's it, there's too much driving to, to try to explain his whole itinerary. But he'll be driving <laughs> back to South Bend tomorrow and then through South Bend and to Chicago Wednesday, basically. But uh, we'll have Tom tomorrow. We'll talk Micah Shrewsbury. We'll talk Final Four and all kinds of stuff with Tom as well. Well, we've got some comments from New Fighting Irish offensive coordinator Jared Parker. Jesse, have you ever heard Parker speak before?
2: Um, I, in his press conference, but that's it.
1: Okay. All right. Well, this is this is similar, similar, but not exactly the same. Here he is. Parker asked after practice Saturday if he's putting his stamp on the Irish offense as the new offensive coordinator.
3: I think this, in my opinion, I, I believe it's like the more, the older you get, the more you learn. It's not about you as much, you know, and I think being married, having kids and doing this coaching thing for a while tells you that. So it's really not my stamp, it's ours, and that's not cliche, it's, I really mean it. Like I think that as you get it in, and you get guys bought in, and you build a staff that we built, both in our off the field guys and our on the field guys, we've got a great staff, we really do. And so my job is to just give great direction, provide leadership, and create a union that everybody feels empowered to do their jobs. So I think if anything, I hope that would be maybe my stamp. Otherwise, I'm just a piece of, it to try, I try to help divide good direction, and then from there, just let these guys do their jobs and let the players do
1: their jobs. I'm just here, man. You know, it's like, I don't know about you, Jesse, but like I feel like Parker might have a career in politics after football because I felt like that was a nicely tossed word salad. You know, there were a lot of words spoken there, but I'm not exactly sure that there was very much to pull out of it. It's like, I'm here and I just let the guys do their work. You know, I guess that's. That's the the biggest thing you can take out of that. He said it's not cliche, but it kind of seemed like it a little bit. So I I don't know about you. What did you think?
2: Yeah, just off of that, you know, that the clip that we were hearing, um, it it did sound a little bit cliche, but I think some of the stuff, some of the things that stuck out where were um, the term, you know, that's our offense, it's not my offense. Um, And I think that goes a long way of. You know he's not implementing or forcing an offense onto onto the team that's not really going to fit, and I think that's where he's saying it's our offense. There's a lot of feedback. There's a lot of kind of trial and error of you know this this works well or this doesn't work well. So that's something that I picked up on, and then the just the great direction. I think put you know allow putting guys um, in the position to to perform their best, or you know giving guidance where guidance is needed in order for guys to perform their best and and then like you said it's it's ultimately up to them to do their jobs he can put them in the right situation he can build you know an offense that's tailored around their skills but ultimately it's going to be them doing their jobs and i don't know if he took that from tommy reese or not but (laughs) you always got to do your job no that's right do your bleeping job
1: right and and i mean i I think that when you talk about putting your stamp on it, I I don't think that he's worried about necessarily like this has got to be the Jared Parker stamp. He's got enough enough familiarity with these guys. And as we've talked about before, I I don't think the offense is going to look drastically different than what we've seen before. I think the biggest difference in this offense is just that you're going to, you're going to have a much more experienced quarterback running the offense and a guy who knows how to get the ball out, you know, find guys in the passing game at all three levels of the passing game, short, intermediate and deep. And it's, it's, I I think, so I think that's going to be like, if there's a stamp to be put on it, I I think it's, and we'll talk about Sam Hartman more in detail in a little bit. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. I don't think it's necessarily Jared Parker, you know, coming in and it's like,
2: this has got to be mine kind of thing. Yeah, and again, that's definitely what I kind of took away from it, too. It's not just like, oh, this is my offense, this is how we're doing it. I just, I don't see that as the overall kind of vibe right now with what he's trying to do.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
1: So they've uh, they've been at it for well not quite a week now, but I, I think that uh, Saturday was practice number three that they were out there. So last week was the first week of practice, and like they're 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 winding into what'll be their first full week this week. So what's that first week been like for Jared Parker?
3: What I think that finishing today, just in week one, I really like our guys, you know, no different than this place in our culture here that's set from our head coach down, our offensive guys, our energy, the full football team, just our energy, commitment to learning, commitment to fixing things, and just to buy into our tempo and energy to move and practice and move with urgency. Um, that's where it starts, you know, we've got a tough physical football team, um, and just to see those guys do that again on the grass after a long break since the bowl game is refreshing. And for us, it's a long time from that window from being done and recruiting January to get to this point. And certainly with uh, the, the job change for me, to be able to get on the grass and help these guys do what they love doing is, is certainly an exciting time for all of us.
1: Yeah, so, you know, kind of hearing him talk there, he, he's basically just just talking about, hey, it's good to be back out on the field once again, the energy and the tempo and all that kind of stuff. What are those first few days typically of spring practice like when you you know when when you get out there you're coming off
2: the winter workouts and all that kind of stuff you know honestly it, it's, it you, you feel pretty amped up especially for the guys who really you know took it cuz you have a short window there from when the season ends and then when when spring practice you know resumes essentially and and i'm assuming during that time they still had some sort of you know regimented workout program where they're going in for lifts and other kinds of things so
3: mm-hmm. really
2: what you're doing in that window is what are you doing on your own to kind of separate yourself from the pack or or improve and, and so coming into those first couple practices during the spring is often just kind of a little bit nervous but a, still a little bit you still have the adrenaline going because you want to prove you know especially for the younger guys the guys that want to prove something um but then again like i said you're still there's still that nervousness right because that you're just so jacked up there's so much excitement um and and ultimately you're just trying to make a great impression and especially when you get a new offensive coordinator, there's guys, I'm sure, on the offensive side of the ball. They're trying to create, you know, that that first impression as Jared Parker is looking on them at with the offensive coordinator eyes. Because of sure like he's seen them, but not in the eyes of offensive coordinator. Right. Like it's a different right. kind of perspective of someone's attention that you're trying to grab. So, yeah, it's just it, it again, the first couple of days, there's just a lot of excitement. Um, in, in terms of your preparation, did you prepare enough? Did you not, you know, did you not prepare enough? Are you fit enough? Are you going to come off as, you know, knowing what you're doing, coming off as fit, those sort of things. So yeah, that's what I would say is kind of like the the first couple day vibes everyone's just kind of feeling each other out essentially.
1: Yeah. And it's really like hearing them talk about it, 14 regular practices. And then practice number 15 is technically the blue gold game. There really aren't that many practices when you think no. about it over the course of the spring.
2: No, and I think I know when we did it or when I was playing, sorry, I want to say we did like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays. And so we did that for like five weeks. And then our 15th practice. Yeah, our 15th practice was, um, you know, the, the, the spring game. But again, in between those practices, there's still <laughs> there's still uh you know film to be watched, there's still weightlifting to, to be, be going on. There's yep. it's not just like you're not you're not doing nothing in those off days. It's just those are the days you you just don't have practice every single day.
1: Yeah, it's just uh the most concentrated on the practice days. And is it is it like is there a different is there a different feel in spring than even in you know, obviously there's going to be a different feel than during the season because during the season, you know, the rhythm of the season gets going and everything is building up to Saturday and then coming back down off Saturday and then building up to Saturday once again because you have an actual game. But but, is is the vibe, is it is it a lot different in the spring compared to fall camp?
2: Yeah, I would say like fall spring camp is like, to me, it felt like open auditions every practice, right? Like during the season fall, like you are working towards a common goal of that opponent that week. So it's very, very structured in what you're doing to, again, the the spring practices to me kind of felt like a, like, again, like a showcase to really, you know, show, show what you can do that. There's, I, I would say there's more guys taking, I'd say risks, you know what I mean? Because you, you, you want to show plays of athleticism, you know, the wow, the spectacular plays, um, but for us, we always had scrimmages on Saturdays, and so like the week, it was kind of a buildup to usually, you know, more uh, combined team on team periods on the weekends where you're doing actual, you know, like seven on seven, or maybe you're doing, you know, fitted it, it shells on Saturday, and you're still doing teams, you know, team periods where you're not you're not wrapping up and taking to the ground, but you're still fitting up, you're still, you know, giving guys a good thud in the hole, that kind of stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah, the the weekday practices felt definitely more relaxed, and again, it's a it's a lot of learning time for the younger guys. But then, uh, you know, the younger, the more older guys obviously no have a better idea of the playbook. So it felt like those guys were just kind of doing things to really, you know, show out, enhance that you show what they can do, kind of wild wow type plays. So, yeah, I hope that answered your question. <laughs> I think so. I think so. Before we go any farther, I
1: forgot to mention early, you know, the spiel. Smash that like button. Please, It helps out the Irish Breakdown platforms. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms. Leave us a five-star review, comment, and all that kind of good stuff. Subscribe to us. We do appreciate it. So, of course, you know, the thing with Jared Parker is he was obviously an offensive coordinator, at least in title, for a time at West Virginia. But this is really, you know, like this is his offense. Full go right now yeah you know, he's running the show anyway full go right now so what's the biggest change been for him moving from tight end coach to offensive coordinator
3: probably the biggest thing is is you, go, you quickly go and I've always talked about it because you try to put yourself in different shoes the older you get and I think the biggest piece for me is is starting to realize that in days off those days off you have to start thinking about what you're going to do the next day You can't wait on a plan you have to be out in front of everybody because i think with good communication and a good plan people want to know exactly what's happening next so that's the biggest thing is thinking three days ahead five days ahead and then of course then with leadership you have to there has to be a very very calculated approach to build relationships not with just the tight ends now or saying hi to guys you want to build a full investment across the offense let everybody know that their relationship to me and back is very important so i think just the investment people goes up i want these guys to know we love them and we care about them we want them to do real good but we also care about them and i hope they feel that and that's been the biggest change you got to do that with 55 guys compared to 10.
1: think ahead to the next day be out front what's happening next i hadn't really thought about it that way you know again like especially when you're talking about the spring i you know i can i can see it even more so probably you know in fall but the fact that you do have to be thinking ahead like that you know what's happening next and then he talked about the relationships with the everybody and you kind of touched on it before it's everybody now on the offense 55 guys as opposed to just 10 guys before yeah so the
2: the the the, the preparation for the next day um, kind of threw me for a loop because, again, it, it is spring ball. It's not overly kind of complicated <laughs> right? What, what you're doing in spring ball. You're doing just basic install of, you know, all the all the basic formations, packages that you're going to come out in. And then you're going to obviously, you know, once the season starts, that's when you start tailoring and kind of game planning off of, you know, different formations off of your base formation. So I, I thought that was a little out there. <laughs> to be honest, saying that like there's a lot of like I get like want a, a clear, concise, you know, what you want to achieve that day in practice or, you know, certain maybe you saw something on film and that you, you see something you might need to work on. But like I, I think it, it was a little bit exaggerated in terms. But the thing that I liked the most of what he was talking about there is just relationships and, and the aspect of, you know, worrying, not worrying, but having real close relationships with 10 guys come you know as the tight end coach and now to the whole team and I think that's probably the most important thing that he's got to get ahead of in spring ball is just creating those relationships with all of his you know offensive personnel so his personnel can trust him and vice versa he can trust them because you know the the relationship I think go it, it goes a long way and I think that's a big reason you know yeah Nick Saban down at Alabama has you know, all the great four or five star guys, but I, I truly believe that he is one of the best at like having his players backs, creating that, you know, relationship with all of his players, understanding all of his players. I think that's why he even gets more out of his players um than what's given, you know, appreciation for. So to me, that's the most important thing that Parker said there and should be, you know, well, about, about the spring is the relationship with his quarterbacks, his offensive line, his running backs, just everyone.
1: Well, you know, we've talked about the relationships that Marcus Freeman has with guys like whether it's Parker or any of these other new coaches, you know, just just the guys on his staff. But Freeman is a relationship guy, and so many of these other guys, you know, they're they're relationship guys. And we've talked more about relationships with coaches and players, I think, in the last year plus that Marcus Freeman has been coached than we talked about, you know, Maybe ever when Brian Kelly was was the head coach in twelve years, like he might have given some lip service to it. You know, it really it was after his twenty sixteen overhaul. But it's it's just a lot different now. Hearing these kind of things being talked about with the relationships and everything else that that Marcus Freeman and his coaching staff are talking about, definitely. Ah, uh, by the way, Patrick, I did see Patrick Earwood. I did see your uh, question. I'm going to save that for rapid fire. We'll, we'll we'll hit that off the top in rapid fire coming up here in a little bit. Did you see it, Jesse?
2: Yeah, the one about um, Audrey and Diggs. Diggs.
1: yeah, yeah. So we will talk about that in a little bit. How about Sam Hartman, though? Some say he's the quarterback at Notre Dame. He's the uh, he's the grad transfer right he's uh he's the guy I guess there's no official depth chart right now but uh, you know he's right up there at the top so here's Jared Parker talking about it
3: the first thing I think with anybody a guy that decides to work in any capacity when you come in and show that you're about to work and build relationships with guys and do it in a humble manner is something big to say he does that with like a lot of our guys on the unit so that was the first day, so it kind of gives him an instant street cred. And of course, being out here to, to come out here and be around a, a different operation, a different way of doing things offensively, and for him to adapt, grow, and just dive into this thing with the other quarterbacks. And Coach Medulli says a lot about him. He's done that through three practices and continued to grow in. So, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I don't think anything <laughs> out of the ordinary is said there, but it, it is nice to know that. You know, it, it, as a transfer quarterback, he said, you know, things of like he he's he's been working at it. He's been building relationships, uh, adapting to a different operation and that, you know, he's been all in or, or kind of diving all in on, on you know, this playbook and, and how the offense is run. And really, all you can say is that that's what you would hope or expect out of, you know, your quarterback and, of course, a transfer quarterback. So it sounds like he's doing all of the things that he's supposed to be doing, which I didn't think that he you know, that that wasn't really a concern. And so I guess it's just a, a good thing hearing that he's not, you know, just being an, a complete idiot, I guess, is, <laughs> you know, well,
1: like, I mean, he's doing the things that you would expect a, a, a sixth year grad transfer to come right. in and do. It sounds and like and being and a, a, leader, offensive, setting a good example, working hard, right. learning, you know, the way he's supposed to be learning, doing all that kind of stuff I don't think that you would take would have would have taken him if you didn't think he was going to come in and do all that stuff
2: yeah and so like again that's what I'm saying it just sounds like he's doing all of the things that a 60-year quarterback in a new system that wants to perform well and you know help himself succeed help the team succeed and all those things so yeah I I would say that uh, it's pretty on par (laughs) with everything that we've heard of Sam Hartman so far you got the street cred up there in Shaker Heights there Jess it's a little east of my stomping ground. But... <laughs> uh, Bobby
1: saying, man, can you imagine this offensive mayor was here one more year and this offensive line and of receivers reached their potential hard to defend. And I think that, you know, there were uh, uh, some people wrote some articles about that late last week with Michael Mayer catching passes from Sam Hartman at pro day. It's like it, it, it would be a lot different. I think, and, and did you ever read that article that we talked about on Friday with, uh, about the, basically, you know, there was the inference that it was the receivers holding back Tommy Reese and Drew Pine and not necessarily the other way around the quarterback holding the receivers no, I did not and, read and, that and the rest article. of the offense back. I, I. <sighs> I wanted to resist giving the click because it was it just sounded so clickbaitish. <laughs> and I went and I just gave it a quick, you know. I guess it doesn't matter once you're in there. I could have read it more detailed. I gave it a quick scan, but that's kind of the gist of of what I got, and I'm sorry. It when when an inexperienced quarterback was locking in, I mean, Michael Mayer is a great player. There's no doubt about it, but I think that there's still a lot for this offense to go to. And I think that we're going to see it fully blossom, you know, again, now you've got a different coordinator and and everything else, but I just, I think we're going to see a lot different things from this offense, you know, multi-dimensional offense, a true multi-dimensional offense. They're going to miss Michael Mayer. Sure. But I think that, that having a veteran quarterback like they're going to have this year is going to give so many of these receivers really a chance to grow. There's a lot of talent in that wide receiver room that we haven't had a chance to see to its full extent.
2: Yet. I think I, I think the biggest thing is is Tommy Reese and Drew Pine knew that Michael Mayer was the ultimate security blanket. You know, nine times out of ten, if you're gonna get in trouble, get in trouble throwing the ball towards your all American tight end, you know, first round draft pick tight end, whatever you want to call him, and let him you know if that's where you're going to make your air that's where you're going to make your air so good quarterbacks can get open can can allow can do things to get their wide receivers open and i don't think that that could be said about pine i don't think pine did enough to, to make up for or get some of his wide receivers open he more so needed the wide receivers to get open for him I, and and that's not like, a knock against Drew Pine. I just think that Sam Hartman can do things to get his wide receivers open rather than his wide receivers have to get him open because of his inexperienced You know, and, and the multiple things that Drew Pine was facing.
1: The experience that Hartman has playing, seeing the defenses, everything else, just just that experience alone is just what you're talking about, being able to get wide receivers open throw them open and they don't have right. to be completely open exactly you know that kind of and that's that's typically what we've seen you know it, it wasn't it's not just a drew pine thing you know we, we even saw it from even book with all the games that he won and everything else that was still a thing for him you know he 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 wasn't always the best at throwing those guys open and i think we're going to see a lot more i think this offense is just going to look more not not that it's going to be you know you're just going to be slinging it all over the place because you are still going to have a really good running game but again i think that you're going to
2: see so much more well, multi-dimensional offense this year i think that the run game they, they will not run the ball as many times but that yard per average may even go up because the passing game will allow the rushing game to, to take right. bigger gashes Right. So even if you're not running True the ball as many True times
1: of a passing game.
2: Yeah. Right. And so even if you're not running the ball, you know, per game as many times, I still think the yards and the yard per carry are gonna be similar, if not better, just because of teams are gonna have to respect, you know, the passing game. You can't cheat towards the box um most of the time. And and that's you know, teams knew that Notre Dame's biggest strength was the box and the intermediate kind of passes to Michael Mayer because yeah, even it, 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 it's going to take a little bit of time for, you know, plays for routes to get open downfield for Michael Mayer, just, you know, naturally.
1: So Romlick says Hartman will get 100% of the credit by the media if wide receivers do well this year. So if I'm reading, if I'm reading this correctly, you're saying that the, the wide receivers should get more credit than they're probably going to get credit for if, if they do well, like, is that, is that what you see there, Jess?
2: Yeah, that's kind of what it, yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that's what is being inferred is that (laughs) (laughs) Hartman will get, you know, a lot of that credit, considering, you know, just like Pine would have got a lot of credit, I think, last year. Derek
1: Derek Romlick says yes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's kind of a, I guess there's a fine line, you know, like, if Drew Pine was holding the wide receivers back, then sam hartman is going to have to get credit if oh, yeah. they do well this year right <laughs> so it's not like... it's the majority
2: <laughs> of it is the same is is it completely right. the same there's only no, one there's but... only one different what what do, you, what do you call it like factor like what like variable
1: variable thank you i was i was looking for the scientific math term <laughs> and i knew you would have it yeah there's only one different variable right with the exception of Well, maybe not just one different variable. Because Parker, this will get you to perk up a little bit here. Jess, Parker was asked about Chris Tyree playing a little wide receiver. Is it going to be a permanent move or just mixing him in there?
3: We keep it. That's a good way of putting it. Um, It's going to be a fun process. I'll say that. How about that?
1: (laughs) He did not say much. Do you want to hear that again? Did you hear the whole thing?
2: Uh, I heard it's a process.
3: Yeah, I'd probably probably keep it. That's a good way of putting it. Um, It's going to be a fun process, I'll say that. How about
2: that? Going to be a fun
1: process. How about that? And, you know, again, he was asked, is it going to be permanent or just mixing in there? I find it interesting that on Notre Dame's website, UND.com, the roster lists Chris Tyree as an RB slash wide receiver so they do have him listed at both and he has obviously been practicing at wide receiver so I know I know you're pretty excited about this does does hearing him say that does it make you more excited less excited somewhere in between about this whole thing Um,
2: honestly it it makes me more excited because to me it sounds like he doesn't want to show his cards Um, and if that's the case then there's no harm of immediately saying, no, he's he, we're just mixing him in there, seeing what he's going to do, um, you know, da da if he was truly going to stay at wide receiver. But him giving that response to me indicates that that is something that they are working on and that they have full hopes that he can make that transition. So I think that's another thing is insurance. Like, if it doesn't work out, if it doesn't pan out after him saying, oh, yeah, we're trying to convert him, and then, it, you know, kind of probably would look bad on Tyree's end if he can't, you know, make that complete transition. So – uh, to me I, I think again he's just kind of not playing his full cards and that it makes me excited because I it shows that they're see, all in on this move right and like that it's gonna
1: be a fun process that he kind of ended it with and what you just said he's not showing his full cards you know they're out there we'll get to see a full practice coming up next week and that'll be the only full practice that we get to see my guess is we don't get to see Tyree doing. A whole lot, but I think they're going to find a way to make him a true slash guy, and he's just going to do a lot of different things. And they're going to try to fully utilize every ounce of talent that Chris Tyree has in him, and take advantage of his speed, his athletic, you know, just just the whole thing. I, I think that I think that that Chris Tyree. I, I just think we're going to see a lot of him in the fall. That doesn't mean we're going to see, get going to get to see a lot of him in the spring, but I think we're going to get to see a lot of him in the fall. And it, it could be a lot of fun if it pans out the way I think it could.
2: I think the best combination or, or, or sorry, best comparison that I could give. And if this isn't, you know, body type, same type of player or whatever, just how he's going to be utilized. I think a lot of the 49ers and Debo Samuel and like the potential that can come out of that, you know, the, being able to run the ball, being able to line up as a wide receiver, just being the the most dynamic guy on the field. And that's what the 49ers realized is that sometimes you just got to get your best guy in space, the ball. And Tyree as a running back straight downhill, I don't think is your best running back. But if we're talking one-on-one and open space with speed and agility, he's up there on the team of guys who are probably going to make you miss. So finding ways to get him the ball has to be the top priority especially I at like so a too. slot a slot wide receiver position because you can use him in many different schemes and aspects of uh, in the run game as a decoy as you know a slot guy going in motion um in the passing game there, there's just so many things that can make the offense easier by just allowing Chris Tyree to move around essentially I completely agree. I completely agree. They can put him in different spots all over the place. And
1: like you said, they can run to him. They can throw to him. And it doesn't just have to be jet. you know, there's just so much that they can do with a guy like Chris Tyree. I think the potential is completely untapped. And we talked about it all last season. Did you have anything else on that?
2: Um, I had I had like a a cool kind of concept um, that involves Chris Tyree that I I think would be very um, is adaptable to a lot of what you see out of slot wide receivers right now. So if you don't mind, I will pull up.
1: Oh, are you going to make everybody happy?
2: Are you going to do a little whiteboard action (laughs) right now? I will. I will. I will. Oh boy.
1: Oh boy. I don't even have
2: salty in here today, which is upsetting. (laughs) That's that is.
3: Yeah. So this is, Again, is you know just a,
2: a simple eleven form you know formation uh, balls on the left hash two wide receivers into the left hat or into the left boundary tight end to the right um, wide rece- one wide receiver split out to the field side uh, quarterbacks in shotgun with the running back to his left so you have the two wide receivers and a running back into the boundary and then a tight end and a wide receiver to the field side. And the tight end is on the line of scrimmage. Um, and so, yeah, this is pre-snap, uh, a play that I would like with Chris Tyree because uh, he would be the number two wide receiver to the to the boundary in the slot. Got him in the slot. Go, yeah, so he can go in motion across the formation. And, again, this is – I love motion so much. I've talked about it before because immediately you can figure out you know what's going on uh, defensively. And now that you have someone like Sam Hartman, who, who has red defenses and can ultimately kind of, you know, click or or be able to adjust plays just based off of this motion. So say you see uh, man-to-man in this in this concept, right? And so immediately, if, if they, you know, they practice this throughout the week, Tyree goes in motion, a simple play here, if they're in man, would to be Uh, just allow Chris Tyree to run a slot fade, uh, you know, down this sideline with his one-on-one matchup, get some speed, and then allow your other wide receiver here just to run something smaller to cut it off, you know, maybe a a five-yard dig or five-yard in or out. But again, this is just a quick play. Tyree's going in motion, snap of the ball. You see men on men, and you're just running a, a, a slot fade. And the reason why I like this is because it's become popular um in the nfl a lot of guys are putting some of their premier wide receivers in the slot you actually see the cowboys do it a lot uh Mm -hmm. with cd lamb he's the most effective um out of the slot so yeah say you get man to man on this look you're immediately running a slot fade okay say you don't get you know man to man and they're running with kind of two high safeties because that's what would make this difficult is if you have a safety on each side because now you know the safety would be over top with help so it would basically be you know double coverage trying to run a slot fade but again say you um, bring Tyree across the formation and, you know, pre-stat motion, you notice that it's not man. Okay. Well then the next check out of this play, instead of running a slot fade is just to quickly release Chris Tyree into the flat, maybe allow this guy to run an inside fade up here. So you're clearing off the top getting these guys to go out and then you're just getting Chris Tyree, the ball simply, you know, out in the flat in space. So, Again, one play that comes off of a simple motion where the quarterback and wide receiver are reading coverage. And then based off of coverage, you can either run a slot fade that utilizes his speed down the field or just a check into the flat where you're getting the ball uh, to Chris Tyree in space.
1: Very well done. Very well done. Anthony is loving it. Whiteboard on Monday. We must have been good IB patrons lately and we are not Marshall This is what happens when we hit the like button. Yes, this is true. This is
2: a true story. We are not Marshall. That's why you hit the like button. Someone's got to tell Tommy guns and salty that they missed out. They're always clamoring, That's right?
1: Rub it in their nose, rub it in their <laughs> nose for not being here on Monday. They better have a good excuse. All right. A final thought before we uh, wrap up this uh, portion of the show, speaking of, Of wide receivers, three freshman early enrollees are on campus right now going through spring practice. Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse, Rico Flores Jr. Are they swimming right now as they adapt to college football? Here's what Jared
3: Parker answered swimming, and, and to be fair, that's okay. Um, the great thing is right now they're starting to play faster, play a little faster, develop some confidence, and then take a little step back, and then go again. Just just a typical progression. But they're very, very talented players. They're eager, they want to learn, and the guys have welcomed them in. So just to come in, you, we just certainly feel very good about where they're at right now, and they'll continue to grow and get better. We'll keep pressure off of them and let them grow in time.
1: Let him get faster. Let him get faster. Keep on keeping the juice going. Greathouse, 6'1, 213 pounds. Braylon James is 6'2, 195. Rico Flores, 6'198. These are not small guys coming in the door. You know, like they are not Devontae Smith type guys. Like they've got <laughs> they've got some they've got some size and some muscle to them already. And I, I tell you what, the guy who just they, they've all impressed me in different ways, but the guy who has impressed me the most granted I only got to see one practice and got to see some video of another but Rico Flores Jr just the way he moves and and you know the again the you know the size the hands the acceleration the whole thing he's a pretty good looking receiver out there especially for a freshman
2: and i think that uh, overall it just builds to the excitement of you know uh, if we're going to be honest like a pretty disappointing year last year in the wide receiver room, right? Like I personally, and I'm not trying to, you know, take a knock or swing at anyone, but like it's probably been one of the least exciting kind of wide receiver production years in a while. And so when you talk yeah. about this season and Tobias and the transfer from Virginia tech, and then, you know, some of the other kind of returning bodies. And then you talk about, you know, this influx of good freshmen. It, to me, it brings back some of that excitement towards the position group that honestly was kind of one of the favorites there for a while just because of you know guys like Jeff Samarja, uh Golden Tate um Will Fuller Will Fuller Miles Boykin Boykin uh Michael Floyd you know they, they Claypool Claypool there is there are other guy um shoot I can't think of the guy that ended up playing for the Lions for a little bit too as a wide receiver um there's just a lot of talent that came out of that you know position group and I think especially when you talk about Sam Hartman and knowing what he can do with the ball downfield and the lack of wide receiver production last year I think it's it's we're going to see a big turnaround this season in terms of you know output from that um position group and it it really there's a a lot of good competition and competition only breeds Good play overall. And so when you have these younger guys applying some of that pressure, you know, to the Tobiases or to the grad transfer or, you know, some of these other guys that are coming back, it's just going to elevate the whole position group. And so, yeah, I wasn't <laughs> surprised with anything that Parker said, because, you know, the, the biggest thing is you can't really play fast until you know quite yet what's going on. And so as they start to get an understanding of what's going on, then yeah, naturally, they're gonna have confidence, that they're gonna, and they're gonna be able to start playing just a little bit faster and faster. And to the point of, you know, like they're, they're mixing in and really competing with these guys that have been here for a little bit longer.
1: Yeah. And you know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm looking at the rest of the room and and you mentioned a couple of them, but you got Dion Colsey, you've got Tobias Merriweather, you've got Lorenzo Styles, you know, you've got Caleb Smith, you've got Jaden Thomas, you've got Chris Tyree. I mean, that's a pretty good veteran group. Again, you know, like I, I think that there is is too much talent in that room to have the lack of production that they had last year. Now, some, you know, the, the Lorenzo style stuff. Now, some of it's on him. We know that he knows that Marcus Freeman has talked about it, but at the same time, you know, I do wonder how much having an inconsistent quarterback who, you know, you never really knew if, if the ball was, you know, you, there was, there was no consistency with where the ball was going last year, other than Michael Mayer. Right. Like well, yeah, and that's how the much does that play
2: as a wide receiver? Like when you're struggling and if you don't even know if the ball is going to get thrown to you on, on routes or plays where the ball is designed, you know, to get to you. I, I'm sure that that can get, you know, overall frustrating, you know, for, for uh, someone like Styles who was struggling a little bit last year.